I love that song, brother Tyler. Um, I'm thankful for. Ooh, be careful of that. I am thankful that the Lord paid His the price for us, so that we might be saved, and that we might have a life joyous, a joyous life. Because tell you the truth, without Christ, I don't know where I would be. Without Christ, I definitely would not be here sitting in church. Without Christ, I definitely wouldn't be here in front of you. And he's everything to me, and I'm thankful for that. If you would turn to your Bible, to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. Start here, read a couple verses, then we'll go back a chapter, a couple verses back there. Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. This morning, kind of my title, my theme is A Life for Christ. Um, There's a lot of examples that we can turn to in the Bible and show a godly life that someone lived. A godly man, a godly woman that lived for God, for Christ. Whereas there's many examples that we can take in our life nowadays, not just in the Bible, but people that have lived on this world in our days that we can say that person served Christ. That person loved the Lord. There's a lot of people that we can turn to. We can, we can turn to in the Bible. You can look at David. You can look at Moses. You can, you can look at Solomon. You can, you can see all these people that served Christ. And David, the Lord said unto David, it's told of David that this man is a man after my own heart. It's not like he was a, that he did not sin, that he was perfect. That's not true. The, the, why he could say that was when David was told something was wrong, that he needed to change something, he got it right right then and there. And he never kept, he never kept, held things of this world, his flesh, with him. Tonight I want to look at a life for Christ because we can, as I said, we can take a lot of examples from the Bible. We can take a lot of examples how to live our life, how Christian examples, but the most greatest example that we can look at, the most, the person that we can look at, and it would be perfect, and we can follow him, and the Lord will be pleased, is Jesus Christ. Tonight, this, this morning, I say tonight, this morning, I want to look at a bit of his last times before they crucified him. And we're going to look at a bit of his crucifixion. You know, you can really get to know a person and how they spend their last time. How they, what they do on their last hours. What they do on, if they have 24 hours. I've seen videos on YouTube of people say, we're going to allow you to do, just pretend that you have 24 hours left in life. What are you going to do? You will get to know a person really well, what they will do, how they will spend their time, who they will spend their time with, if they have 24 hours left. Christ, a lot lot of us maybe would do some things that we wouldn't be proud of. But Christ was perfect. We'll look a bit today, uh, Mark chapter 15, I'll start reading here, then we'll go back a chapter. Mark chapter 15, verse 1, it says, "...in straightway in the morning..." The chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered and said, Thou sayest it. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou not- nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas which laid bound with them 
that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever, he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will ye that release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. But the chief priest moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said unto them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out against him, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. Let us pray. Dear Father, Lord, as we come before this morning, Father, these words, these things written down of what you suffered, Lord, what you went through, Father, may they work on our heart. May they speak to us this morning. Father, give me the wisdom, give me the words to say, Lord. Those words that only you've given me, Lord, nothing more. Pray, Lord, you be with Pastor today, Lord, as he's preaching, and Brother Jeff Ferguson's down in Iowa, over in Iowa, Lord, that you just give him the words, give him wisdom, protect him as they come back, Lord. Lord, please be with us this, this time, Lord, that you just work here mightily. In Jesus' my pray. Amen. If you want to turn back a chapter, chapter 14, verse number 55. Chapter 14, verse number 55. I have a couple points here I want to go through. The first one I want to look at is he had an undefiled testimony. An undefiled testimony. Undefiled means not damaged or solid, not made morally impure, not polluted or made dirty not desecrated. The, the Lord our God had an undefiled testimony. Amen. We're going to read here verse number 55. And the chief priest and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none. For many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. And there rose certain and bear false witness against him, saying, We have heard him say, I will destroy this test temple that I made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without bonds, without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes and saith, What need ye any further witness? Ye have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? And they all condemned him to the guilty of death. And some began to spit on him, to cover his face, and to, to buffet him, to say unto him, Prophecy, Prophesy! And the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. First, I want to look at undefiled testimony. He lived here perfect. We read here in verse 55 how the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus. They even brought false witnesses, people to lie about him. People to say, this person, he did this, he said this. All these false witnesses. They sought out for ways to condemn him, ways to put him to death. And you can read through the read through the Gospels. There's many times that they, they went together and they tried finding a thing against Christ. But they couldn't find something against him. He was a perfect person. The only perfect person to live on this world. He was God himself. He had an undefiled testimony. Here, we see that even when they brought false witnesses against him, none of, them could, none of their stories agreed. No, but none, it says, and none of their stories, it says, agreed not together. 
no matter how many times through the Gospels people try to, to trick or tempt Christ with their words, you know what? The Lord always answered back calmly. We read, He always answered back calmly. If, tell you the truth, if a lot of people, if people brought witnesses against me and, and falsely accused us as humans, you know what our tendency is to do? Fight back. Yell at them saying, that is not true, that is not true. Our tendency is to fight back, to speak back at them. And you, you read in Matthew 26, verse 46, when they brought, when um, uh, a man came unto him and tried tempting him, asking him a question, trying to trip him up, trying to trip Christ up. He knew the, the word, he knew the Old Testament like nobody's business. He's, he's God. Nobody could trip him up. But in Matthew 26, verse 46, it says, And no man was able to answer him a word when they brought this, this question. Neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. They found out, okay, we can't, we can't bring anything against this man. He knows the scriptures. He, we, can't, we can't ask him anything that he does not know. You know, he had an undefiled testimony so much that when people brought false accusations against him, it did not stand. It did not stand. You know, Jesus is our example of an undefiled testimony. What type of testimony do we have? What type of testimony as Christians do we have? I, I know that we can't be perfect, and I'm not asking anybody to be perfect, and our pastor wouldn't ask anybody to be perfect, and the Lord doesn't ask us to be perfect. How do we live our life? How do we act in public? How do we act in, in work? How, what do we say? You know, there's a couple things that can ruin your testimony as Christians. We should have a testimony that people look, and Brother Ricky talked about it this morning. I mentioned some verses in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. It talks about Enoch and his testimony stood. And it talks about, at the end of um, chapter 11, when it talks about that Paul is saying, that we believe it's Paul, saying, we haven't mentioned all these people who had a good report. They had a testimony. We can look at um, Job Job so much that the saying come before God trying, trying, and, and, and the Lord points out to the Satan, do you know my, man, my, my son, my servant Job? Who's righteous? I, he had a testimony. A right testimony. A good testimony. There's, there's ways that we can ruin our testimony. First is by our words. How do we speak? Where I work in and I'm thankful for our work in the um, funeral home Tufts Shomar along 28. I've, there was one time my boss came unto me and we we're sitting for lunch. And it gave me, I, I believe he's, I, it's hard to say because he was Catholic, but then he goes to a church of God, I think now. I believe he's saved, but he has a lot of questions. He asks a lot of questions. Tim King, a lot of you, he did a couple funerals here. And one time we're sitting at lunch and he, he, he comes to me and he's like, he says, you know, we all are sad. We all struggle. We all have bad days. He said, us, he told, there's about three of my coworkers pointing at the three, and we all have bad days. We, we come here and we're down and stuff. He was like, you always seem to have a smile. You always just seem to, to always be happy, to be answering and be calm. You know what? That's not me. I struggle. There's times I don't know what to do. But that's Jesus Christ in me. That's the testimony that we should be bringing across. That when they look at us, that's like, 
something's with him. I want to know what he has. Or I want to know what she has. That when maybe there's going to come a time. There's going to come a time, and we read it in the Bible, that there's going to come a time where accusations will come against us, persecutions will come against us. How do we act when that comes about? When someone comes up to you and starts lying to you. I know in Breeze, at Breezework this had that where people have lied to her, lied about her, lied about her sister, and just their testimony shown. Their testimony in Christ shown. But we can, we can lose our testimony by our words. Our words are very powerful, both for good and bad. If you want to look in Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. Look at a couple, turn to a couple of verses here. Verse 23. Proverbs 16 verse 23. Ways to ruin our testimony. Things that can happen by words. Our words says, verse 23, The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as the honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of, himself, of him. An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife, and a, whis- and, whisp- and a whisper separateth chief friends. Says here, a wise man would, says, a fool is known by his, his words. In uh, Proverbs, that's paraphrasing. But here, a way that we can either, way that we can ruin, because our, te- our tongue sometimes just goes where we don't want to go at and we say things that later on we're like, I should not have said that. We're all, we're all people. We're all, we all have the flesh. But here it says, um, 23, The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and addeth learning to the lips. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. You know, that's how our words should be, should be as Christians. As the honeycomb. We tend not to go that way. We tend to argue. We tend to sow strife. We tend to, sometimes our words, can, our words can really hurt. I found that out when I got married. There's certain things you don't say to your wife that I could say to my brothers, and they would punch me, but that's all. Certain things you don't say to your wife. Sometimes I say it as a joke, and she knows it's a joke, but I would, I would just advise not to say it constantly because then it's going to think they think you're saying truthful words. But there's sometimes I joke around with her, and there's certain times I, I speak something, and you know, men who are married, you know when your wife gives you that look. It's like, okay, I'm, I've messed up here. What did I say? It's like, and what we always ask, what's wrong? What did I say? It's like, you don't remember? It was like 10 seconds ago. We didn't think it was that bad, but it was. We can, we can ruin our testimony by our words. It, our words hurt if we say it with strife. If we, if we say it with bitterness, with, with anger, our words can hurt. It can be like a sword pierced into your heart. Careful. Turn to Ephesians 4, 29-32. Ephesians 4, 29-32. We, we know the verse, evil commu- communications corrupt good manners. It's It's correct. 
Verse 29, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. It says here, this is not just an option. Here it says, it's, it says let no corrupt communications proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And then it talks about a couple good things that, that, about words and a couple of bad things. And it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. These are all forms of way that we can, our mouth, our tongue can be used for the wrong. I've, I've been angry many times. Especially at my younger brother. There's times I thought he was just dumb. Dumb as could be. <laughs> That's brothers, I guess. I'm glad he's not here. Um, but there came a time when my, my brother came up to me and was like, why are you always angry? You keep, every time I say something against you, it's like you strike out with anger. And It hurts. Sometimes, sometimes as guys, we, we can put it off and not remember about it. But sometimes it gets a bit too much. And the problem was, is my heart wasn't right with the Lord. Because whatever's in the heart will come out. If we have anger in our heart, if we have bitterness in our heart, wrath and evil speaking, we desire on the road, you're driving, someone cuts right in front of you and almost, you almost in an accident. We like saying, what are you doing? Whatever's in our heart will come out. And the way it comes out is through our mouth. Through our actions. You can read Proverbs 25 verse 11. It says, a world, no, a world. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. That's an amazing representation right there. That word's fitly spoken it's like apples of gold in pictures of silver. It's precious. We can, we can ruin our testimony by our words, not only by our words, but by our actions. Where do we go? On our day offs. What do we do? What do we look at? How we act can either, be, either add good to our testimony or take away. I, I've had... Um, we had um, at work, they, a lot of them golf, and um, they, um, they asked if I golfed. I said, not really. I want to. But one of the golf, they do a tournament, a, a yearly tournament with all the workers who golf. And one of the days they golf is a Sunday. I already told my boss I can't work on Sunday. I told him the example. He came up to me. He's like, would you like to golf? Would you like to be a part of this? And it's on a Sunday, and this is one way we can ruin our testimony. Is if we say we will not work on Sunday, and this is the reason why we don't do it, and then it's like, you want to go do something fun on Sunday and skip church? That's a really big choice, yes or no. Our, our lives should show Christ. 
Not only by our words can we hurt and ruin our testimony, but by our actions. You, a, lot, a lot is in that. In Psalms 1.1 it says, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he should be like a tree planted by the river of water that should bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You, you can read it farther on. We all, we all know that song is, um, careful what, be careful little eyes what you see. Careful little eyes what you see. We all know that song from kids. Careful little feet where you go. Careful little feet where you go. For the Father up above is looking down, from, down in love. Be careful little feet where you go. It's true. It's not just a kid's song. It's true in our Christian life. Our testimony, the Christ turned back to Mark chapter um, 14. He had an undefiled testimony. Verse 14, now verse 15, the second thing I see is unresisting manner. There's two words that really bounced, came out at me, kind of just showed itself. In verse, verse number one, he had an unresisting manner. Verse number one, in straightway in the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away, delivered him to Pilate. One thing that really popped out to me is here in the verse number one, they, they, they condemned him, bringing him to Pilate, but these two words, and bound, that's three words, and bound Jesus. He's not just like a man like us. We can be bound and not get out of it. Christ was the Son of God, the Almighty God. He can do anything. But what he did is he allowed himself to be bound. He allowed himself to be tied. Why? Because there was something that he needed to do. It's not something pleasant he had to go through. I've never been arrested. I'm thankful I've never been put in handcuffs. But if someone came and started binding you, we would tend to fight back. Not very many times do we have an unresisting manner. He could have said one word and he would have been freed. Angels would have come down and, and destroyed everybody around there. But he let himself be bound. An unresisting manner. And if you look a bit farther, when they put the cross on him, when they, when they beat him, when they, when they nailed him to the cross... He didn't squirm and fight. He just laid there calmly. Because he had something. He loved us so much that he took this. He allowed himself to be bound. You know, we, we tend to fight people in this world. We tend to fight back. When people, there's going to come a time, like I said, there's going to come a time when there's going to be persecutions. And we've seen it. We're starting to see it. It's, it's everywhere in the world. In Russia, it started before we left. Before my parents left, it started. For many years, it was, it was, it was against the law to, to preach, against the law to pass out tracts, against the law for all this type of stuff. And you'd be thrown in prison. Example of Christ, a life for Christ is, I'm not saying that if someone comes and breaks in your house to, to, not, to not fight them back. I'm saying when we're for, our, for the cause of Christ, if they come and they start arresting us, 
for the cause of Christ, when, they, when, they, when people fight back, when people accuse us, when they, when they desire harm on us, we should be like Christ and not, and not speaking bad words and, and fighting back. You see, un, un, unresisting manner. We see verse um, 2 through 5, an unexpected reply. Um, I say unexpected reply because the Lord didn't say anything. Verse 2, And Pilate asked him, And art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered and said unto him, Thou sayest it. The chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. An unexpected reply. Something that here it says Pilate marveled so much that Pilate, the, the, the ruler at that time, was like almost flabbergasted, like taken aback. That they are saying all these things, they're accusing us, they're accusing Christ, they're saying all these things horrible of him, saying to kill him, wanting to kill him, yet he's just not defending himself. He has, he's just staying silent. You know, sometimes for us, if it says in, in Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You know, sometimes it can be a lot better for us just not to say anything. And you can take undefiled the testimony, you can point, point it, put it to every single one of these things that he had, he had um, um, unresisted manner, was a te- he had a testimony, unexpected, rep- unex- unexpected reply. You know, his own people hated him. His own people accused him. It says in John 1, 10 through 12, he's the, he was in the world, and the world was made by him. The world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Even though his own people accused him, he still, his testimony still held. So we see undefiled testimony, unexpected, um, unresisting manner, unexpected reply. Fourth thing, unbearable pain. Verse number 15. First of all, it would have been painful for him to hear his people, his own people say, crucify him. The people that he's going to shed his blood for, that loves so much, to see this people that he loves so much wanting to kill him. Here, verse 15, And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them, delivered Jesus when he had scourged him they, to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it upon his head. Began to slew him. Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed that spit upon him. Bowing their knees, worshipped him. When they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him, put his clothes on him led him out to crucify, crucify him. And they compelled one Simon Cyrenian to pass by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and, and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him unto the place called Golgotha, which is being interpreted the hall, the place of the skull. And they gave him a drink, wine, mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon him, where every man should take. Unbearable pain. You know, that place, that cross should have been where I should have been. That cross is where I should have been crucified. 
for every wrong I've done, for every sin I've done. That was, not, that was meant for me. That was meant for each one of us. No matter what you say, no matter, I'm a good person, I've heard that many times, I'm a good person, but we all sin. He went through all this. They whipped him. They, and I've told this many, in many places. I've, you know the cat of nine tails? The way, the, how they would have whipped him? Is, it's a whip. And on each strand, they would have tied something sharp to it. Like, like glass, like metal, like anything sharp. And this man that would have whipped him was a professional at whipping. What they would have done is they would have whipped him so that the whip wrapped around him and the, the sharp piece would have dug into his flesh. They would have yanked on that and it would have ripped. The pain he suffered. You know, what are we willing to suffer for our Lord? Is it a sacrifice to serve our Lord? Is it a sacrifice to go out and reach people? Is it a sacrifice to... What do we do? What are we willing to suffer for our Lord? You know, the Lord never promised that our life would be peaches and roses. There's a lot of things that happens in our life, and each one of our life, there's things that we wish we didn't have to go through. There's things that we struggle with, that that we have pain in our life, maybe a pain of a lost one, maybe just we don't know what to go, what's going to happen. We we, but it would nef- be never comparable to what the Lord suffered, and the pain He must feel when a person rejects Him. How would we like if family, if we knew if someone that we loved rejected us, would no longer to talk to us, would just say, we hate you, we're not, we're not reject us? That's what the Lord feels. An unbearable pain. Sec, fifth of all, we see an unmoving long-suffering. Unmoving long-suffering. Verse 29 after they crucified him, and it says, verse 29, they, they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself, come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that he, we may see and believe and they that were crucified him reviled him. The long suffering. Long suffering. All through this. All through what he suffered. Like I said, he could just say one word and everything would have been done. None of this would have happened. His angels would have come down and that would have been a mighty, mighty force. He's the God of, every, of heaven, of everything. But because of His love, because of His desire for us to one day live with Him, He suffered all this. He had long suffering on these people that railed, that accused Him of all these things, that, that, that mocked Him. The people, His people that He loved. You know, unmoving long suffering. We can put that into our own lives as well. One of the fruits of the Spirit. Do we suffer long? 
I'm not going to say much more. Sixth thing you can is unerring and unconditional love. You can put love to eat. Why did he do this? Because he loved us. A life for Christ. All these things to live for Christ, a life for Christ, to have a life for Christ, these things should be in us. These things should we show. He, had, he desires for none of us to perish. That all should come to repentance, it says in 2 Peter 3.9. It says in, in 1 John 4.19, we love Him because He first loved us. Tonight, this morning... Look at these things, of these things, undefiled testimony, things we looked at, unresisting manner, unexpected reply, unbearable pain, unmoving long suffering, unerring and unconditional love. I had to look at my life. So are these things true in my life? A life that should, we should be living for Christ? Are these things true in our lives? Let's pray. Dear and Father,